Bring it in. Read option back after one of the best weekends we have in the sports calendar. After seeing my man, Scotty Miller, in person, hung out all day Saturday and late into the night watching uh, basketball and playing Mario Golf and uh, just having a nice little boys weekend. And uh, that's who's with me today. Scotty, no veto. Veto's out this week. So hopefully we'll get him back next week. Uh, man's still traveling and working and uh, was not able to make this work with my new setup and my new gig. My times are changing, so the times we record are changing. Um, so, you know, we're still figuring the puzzle pieces out, but we'll get there. Uh, Scotty, how are you, buddy? Have you recovered fully from a long weekend? Oh, no, man, it was a four-day bender. I mean, yeah. talk about uh, talk about one of the, the greatest holidays of, of the year. This is it for me. I'll tell you what, Jeff, for the listeners, uh, I didn't have – I have a beard. I didn't have this going <laughs> into uh, into Thursday, and now – I don't know. It just can't – you know, there were no gray hairs in for, it either. Yeah, it was like it started. Yeah. It was like jet black, it's, and now yeah, it's, it was yeah, it was it was it was just uh, surprising how quickly that popped up. And then I'm sitting down here. I watched 48 games uh, on four TVs. You came down to the basement and uh, and hung out in the man cave and watched all that. I mean, it was just uh, a great setup uh, at a great weekend in basketball and uh, and in all sports too. So a lot of a lot of NFL stuff going on too. So. Uh, uh, we'll we'll get to all of that, but man, I'm still recovering. Yeah, still. <laughs> it takes it, it takes a... the body a week until basically the the game start again on Thursday night. Like it it takes a whole a long time for your body to recover because yeah, you know people. I can feel stay. just as exhausted as the players. That's what I mean. Like I can the players <laughs> sit on like on their asses for four straight days and drink beer and eat shitty food and watch basketball. I I think they would no. tap out. I think they would tap. Yeah. It's the mental fortitude. That's that's what we have. It's the mental fortitude. Uh, but no, I've March- trained really hard for this. <laughs> yeah, football season prepares us for March Madness. That's right. And it's like a litmus test to see like how far removed are we? Are we still in prime football watching mode? And I'm like, yeah, we 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 can do that. Um, but like you like you said, there was obviously March Madness was big, but there was a lot going on this weekend. Massive trades in the NFL. So we're going to go through all of that uh, and the trades to open up the show. Uh, and then we're going to do a, a ranking activity with all of these quarterback moves. And as we all know, if you're you're legally obligated to at least like three times a year, if you work in sports media to just rank shit, like you have to rank things. It's, it's a quota. Lawyers will come after if you don't. It's a whole deal. So we are legally required. We're going to rank uh, two different lists of the quarterback moves that we had from this offseason, most impactful on the field move, and then most newsworthy off the field kind of surprise factor, most interesting uh, there as well. Because for a lot of different reasons, I think those lists are going to look very different. And then we'll close up the show with our tourney thoughts in the first two rounds, and uh, we'll get you on your way to the rest of the week. So with all that being said, um, there were three huge trades that have gone down, one of which just broke about an hour and a half ago. Uh, that is Matt Ryan going to the Indianapolis Colts. So the Colts have their replacement for Carson Wentz. Uh, it's the biggest dead money cap hit in the history of the NFL by about $7 million. It's a $40 million cap, dead cap money, uh, which is brutal. But it also says like, hey, we know what the Falcons are doing. They're in a rebuild mode. They also just signed Marcus Mariota. Uh, former quarterback for their head coach, Arthur Smith, when they were both in Tennessee. So there's a relationship there. And we'll see. We'll get into that. The Devontae Adams trade was massive. Um, 
and really head scratching. And again, one of those that we're going to get into and kind of break down the, the why behind it, because to me, this is, it's one of the most shocking trades after what we saw with Aaron Rodgers coming back and what felt like it was so important for him to have Devonte Adams back. So we'll get into that, but the, the one we're going to have to start with is the one that got by far the most attention uh, and a ton of backlash, the Cleveland Browns acquiring Deshaun Watson from the Houston Texans. Now we have for the most part, not talked about the Deshaun Watson situation at, at all, really on this podcast. When it first came out, I remember, you know, you were really fired up and, and upset by it because the, the accusations and everything that is held against Deshaun Watson is horrifying and disgusting. And if they're true and it gets played out to be true, then the dude should never play another snap in the NFL. The court decided, the grand jury decided not to press, go ahead with, with actual criminal charges against him. That broke last week. And since then, it's felt like it's been kind of bubbling up to all right, what's going to be the thing that sets all this off. And it was going to be whenever he gets traded. And the fact that it's Cleveland, they already had their drama. I mean, that news broke hours after the my rant on Baker Mayfield posted on Friday and how I was ripping the Cleveland Browns for, you know, even, you know, because Sean Watson didn't even have any interest in him, uh, in them, because he had, they had already said he wasn't going to go there. Turns around. Now he changed his mind. He ends up being a Cleveland Brown, a massive haul. They signed a huge, huge contract, the most guaranteed money in NFL history, the fully guaranteed money that Kirk Cousins, we've talked about that on this pod, just talked about it last week. The fully guaranteed money is, is really significant. And then there's some details in that contract that feel really, really shady and slimy, considering everything going on here with Deshaun Watson. So I'll be honest, Scott. I still don't really know how to feel about this. And I believe that everybody has the right to go to trial to get due process, innocent until proven guilty. And I also can see that the accusations, the number of accusations, the amount of women who, who are going out even publicly, because some have, you know, their identity has been concealed, but some who have been willing to go on record. It's scary. It's about only half of them too, right? Yeah. I mean, so it, it's it's scary, but it's a lot of people, right? It, it's 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 a terrifying number, and the common sense tells you that not all 22 of these women would be lying, right? Not, it's impossible for all 22 of these women to be to be lying, right? It, that just doesn't make sense in our minds. If there's one, two, where, where there's smoke, there's fire, all that shit. And I'm sitting here just really confused. And I thought the reaction on social media was. Um, really, really aggressive on both sides. Those who thought, you know, nothing should be happen. You know, people shouldn't be upset about it. The people arguing that were really aggressive and unhappy and pissed. And the people who think it's disgusting what the Browns did also were really, really pissed. And I'm, I'm having a hard time finding the middle ground because this seems like an, like a, a, a true case of where I don't know where the middle ground is. And it's so rare because in sports media, and the media in general, it's always the extremes, right? We're about that in our society. It's so hard to be like, hey, well, can we find the middle ground? That's something we try to do on this podcast. This is a really hard one for me to try to figure out. And like I said, I, I stand with the women and I, and I hope that they are able to settle it and they're able to, you know, feel validated or whatever. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. And, and I think it's okay to say, I don't know. 
but I mm-hmm. also think it's okay to, to criticize the Browns for some of the other details. So can you, can, can you see a middle ground here? Is no, it- no. And I'm with you. I just, I don't understand what the, the Browns vetting process was. Cause if you, if you read that uh, vanilla statement from, uh, from Jimmy Haslam and, uh, and uh, the, the rest of, of the Browns ownership, it was just like, we did our due diligence and uh, everything checked out. I was like, Oh, what, what was that process like? And like, his, that's what I want to know. The lawyer uh, representing the 22 women said that no NFL team reached out and, and to any of him or the clients. So, so there you go. Uh, already uh, behind the eight ball in terms of, of vetting that and, and doing your due diligence there. So I don't understand how, uh, how a deal like that can get done, particularly for, for all the guaranteed money that's involved for all the, uh, potential suspension that's going to be involved with that guaranteed money. I mean, Roger Goodell's made his name on being the commissioner of, of the moral high ground league and, and, uh, and, and coming after people for, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger got six games for, for two women, right? What's mm-hmm. this going to be? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And, and like, like you said, I mean, part of me is like, I need the legal system to play itself out uh, here in in this case, but, uh, there's there's a, a much larger uh, part of me that uh, having seen uh, 2020, 2021 and, and where we are now, that's like, uh, yeah, this guy is guilty as sin, right? So yeah. I don't I don't know either. Uh, and, but uh, and I think it's OK. Right. Like, I feel like this is one of those topics where everyone if you have to like, they you're almost forced into having a hard opinion on it. But the reality is just, I just, I don't know. And I lean towards siding with the women, right? And benefit of the doubt, I lean that way. And this is a very like moral decision, like this decision and like talking about this, it's football. We're talking about sports, right? Like we're not, that should always be second fiddle to situations where something like this, there's 22 accusations of sexual misconduct and or sexual assault that is a hard thing to turn a blind eye to and no one should, nobody should be justifying it. Right. We should all be like, at least say, Hey, he shouldn't be allowed to play. He should be on the commissioner's exempt list until all of that is sorted out. Yeah. Yeah, And I think the optic, I think the optic of the way the the Browns went about it is really bad because a, for that reason, number one, until everything's sorted out, then you got to go pursue it. But then to, to have Deshaun Watson say he doesn't want to play for the Browns and all of this, you could have been, if you're Jimmy Haslam, be like, all right, I get it. Uh, this isn't worth the uh, the time and effort and money that we're going to put into this to go get him. Or you can be like, morals be damned. We're going to go get this guy because we want him to be our quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and the shady stuff I was kind of alluding to, I'm sure most of our listeners, you know, they're big sports fans. So you might've seen it, you might not. So I can try to explain or just refresh to people Essentially, for next season, and if you go back even a little further, before all of this happened with Deshaun Watson, he had signed an extension with the Houston Texans. They basically reworked that extension um, and reconstructed it to allow for the $230 million guaranteed, fully guaranteed, which, again, is a staggering number. Um, they also had to give up three first-round picks uh, in addition to a couple other picks. But the first year, this 2022 season, his base salary is $1 million. And that's intentional because there's a good chance that Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended and will not be able to receive that money. 
So for this year, they get them for $1 million before the rest of the extension kicks in starting next year in 2023. Um, That is morally reprehensible in my mind. Mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely disgusting. I I, I think to, to, to work with somebody who's under investigation was just cleared of the criminal charges, but now also has to settle these 22 freaking civil lawsuits and to work with that guy to make sure that he's going to get his full guaranteed money when you could have just left it as it was. I, I think it was just a really gross move. I think it was very shrewd of the front office. I think it was clever, right? I can, I can say that without any sort of positive connotation to it. It's slimy. It's, it's like a, it's the worst gross. of all backroom deals. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and to think that, that that wouldn't get sniffed out immediately with what people looking through the details of the contract um, and that that wouldn't become a big deal. I thought like, like, I just didn't get like, what do you, what, what are we thinking here? Yeah. Like, I, I, I really had an issue with now that. mode, Dano. <laughs> and that is Deshaun Watson's agent. You know, I would imagine was probably the, the forefront of that decision. Um, I don't love this move morally still. I, I think Deshaun Watson shouldn't have been traded, shouldn't have been moved and should have been put on the exempt list until the legal situation and civil situations were all cleared. And, and then we can adjust, you know, go after it then, you know, Michael Vick with all of his dog fighting and everything, when he was, you know, sent to, you know, even before he was actually sentenced, you know, he, he was taken out of football. He wasn't allowed to play. And like, if Deshaun Watson wanted to play last year, he would have been allowed to, he was on mm-hmm. the roster. They just didn't dress him. He didn't practice. He didn't do anything. I, again, am just really struggling morally here to to figure out because it's a conflict of two beliefs that i hold in that i do believe that people have the right to a fair trial like i just finished watching um bad vegan it's a documentary on netflix and this woman basically was brainwashed by this guy and she was a famous like chef and started a very famous vegan restaurant in new york and blah 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 and basically it was like this cult-like thing and she committed all these crimes alongside him but the way it was reported at the time in 2016 when all this stuff kind of broke was that she was the mastermind behind it and she was this evil person and everyone was out to get her and when you watch the documentary and you hear the clips and you realize how much this guy was like emotionally and verbally abusing her and, and literally changing her mind, like there's so much to stories that we just don't know. And mm-hmm. that's why I hate that we're all so quick to jump to it. The, the, and the other thing about the Deshaun Watson thing was I saw so many blue check marks on Twitter who have I've seen speculate about Deshaun Watson. Where is he going to go? What he would look like, you know, talking about he was, he would remember he was really good in 2020. Last time we saw him, all this stuff. And then the second the actual trade went through, it was like a light switch. And now all of a sudden it was, this is morally, uh, you know, this is disgusting. How could they possibly do this? This guy has 22. It's like, and, and the amount of jokes and shit that people were getting off when all this happened. I was like, but you were just talking about him as a quarterback yeah. and like football implications a month ago, two months ago, throughout the football season. You can't and play both sides that, on that one. <laughs> now that it officially happens, it's like, okay, now I have the green light to, to stay all this shit, which I'm not saying they were doing it for clicks or for likes or anything. I'm sure that obviously doesn't help. I just, 
it struck me in a weird way where it was like everybody all together attacking the Browns, attacking Deshaun Watson. And again, they deserve criticism for this. The NFL deserves criticism for this. And hell, if, if you have 22 civil lawsuits held against you, at some level, you have to have some sort of criticism levied against you that is fair because that's there, there's a it's not a coincidence. Something happened. And Especially some, when you don't say anything, you know, if you're Deshaun Watson, like. I, the, for every statement that he's had to be something that's come from his lawyer, his agent, and and him to just kind of sit in the back seat and cruise, and then in the end get what he wanted, like I I, I got no respect for that. Yeah, I, and so I'm just sitting here again, really, really conflicted on on just how I'm supposed to feel about this. And I think until we know the results of everything, I don't know if we're ever going to get to that point. You know, yeah. uh, and even then, because you could put you put the guy on the field and we'll talk about this when we rank, but you put the guy on the field he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. And, and that roster and that offensive line and yeah. the talent and they just got a Mark Cooper like the on the field stuff. The Browns are should be incredible with this roster now, but I, it feels weird to even talk about it, you know, mm-hmm. and. Again, I, I've I've had women in my life who've dealt with sexual assault, and I've known a lot of people in my life who've dealt with stuff like this. And as someone who was only ever an observer and doesn't know that feeling or anything, I'm unbelievably empathetic or sympathetic rather, because I don't know what that feels like, but I do understand the toll that it has. And so I, it's important to respect these women, what they're going through, especially those who are willing to be public about this. Um, and you know, like think even go back to like the Kobe Bryant stuff in Colorado, right? Like Kobe was able to come back from it because ultimately, and this is the sad truth about sports in America, winning will, I mean, there's a certain line you can't cross, right? You can't be Aaron Hernandez and winning wasn't ever going to solve that. But if he ends up getting through all this relatively unscathed legally, or even through these civil courts, if he's winning, three, four years from now, are we, are we, are we taught? Like, I don't know. I don't think it would even take that long. I think by like week eight of whatever year that he plays, if they're seven and one, it's like, eh, yeah, nothing happened. And you go through the whole like Jack Easterby stuff with them. Right. And, and um, the, the owner, the guy who (laughs) apparently the lawyer who is representing these women is also a close personal friend of the owner. And remembering when all of this stuff broke, it was when Deshaun was requested a trade and said he would never play in Houston. And then all this stuff come out the next day, which I'm not saying means anything. It could be all coincidental, but it's just, I just, I don't feel comfortable having a hard stance. And I know that in, in sports mm-hmm. media, that's what you're supposed to do. But I think you can, you can use better logic and reasoning to try to go through and just say, you know what? I just, I don't know how to feel. And all I hope is that, those women, whatever happens, are are vindicated and validated, or he's completely cleared innocent. And I hope it's one of those two things. But chances are, it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. And a lot of gray, yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know what they do from there. And again, we'll we'll mention some of the stuff on the field stuff when we get to our rankings. But I just wanted to say that because it would be weird for us not to talk about it because it is such a big story. Um, but I just want to be honest with our listeners too. Like, you know what? It's okay. If, it's okay. If you have a hard opinion on it, you're allowed to do that, but it's also okay when you're seeing everybody freaking out on social media and you're seeing two sides of this thing, screaming at each other, 
it's okay to sit back and just go, you know what? I don't, I don't know. And I just hope for the best. And if it's true and these women were sexually abused, then I hope he never plays again in the NFL. And in the same vein, I hope if he is cleared, he's fully cleared. And all of this goes away because it, it was a very wild jumping character from what we knew Deshaun Watson to be at Clemson and, and even in Houston, which was well-respected, unbelievable person. Like everybody had one, like no one ever said a bad thing about Deshaun Watson ever. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. And I think that's okay. Um, the other trades, Devonte Adams getting traded. Uh, we texted a little bit and we talked about it on Saturday, but the Devonte Adams trade doesn't make sense in a lot of different, for a lot of different reasons. Right. Yeah. Um, ultimately I think this was a financial thing. And I think Devonte Adams said, look, you can franchise tag me, but I need something long-term and you're not going to be able to give me something long-term. So you need to move on from me. And the fact that they had already put the franchise tag on him and then traded him too is really weird. The assumption that this was done with the blessing of Aaron Rodgers also feels like a far stretch. You know, I saw, a co- I think like Ian Rappaport had said like Rodgers was in the know about this whole thing. But I think I also, wouldn't be surprised actually uh, on that. I, I mean, look at that receiving court, dude. I mean, but knowing that you're going to have and what you got from from Devontae Adams, they got two twos, right, this year. So they're going to have four well, they picks. Got a first the first, this, they got a first in a second. A first this year. Yeah. And yeah. They're, so they're going to have four picks in the first 60. The wide receiver class is loaded. Like, I, if Aaron Rodgers is of the ilk that uh, if Devontae Adams took a couple of years to develop into the NFL, look what I made him into, uh, like he sort of did with Jordy Nelson, um, Randall Cobb, even. Uh, to to a certain extent, which is why, kind of why you brought him back, then I think Aaron Rodgers will be like, I'm coming back, and I know what that means money-wise. You're probably going to get rid of Devontae, but you're going to be drafting me for the top wide receivers in this class right now. <laughs> yeah, but given his time frame, and let's say he does play for – fills out the – you know, fulfills the rest of this contract four more years in Green Bay, doesn't it seem like you're, like you're in win-now mode? rookie wide receivers aren't helping you win now they might come in and be awesome there's a chance you get you know a justin jefferson who can come in and be a, a pro bowl wide receiver and maybe chase yeah or jamar chase but it's much more likely that they get a jalen rager or yeah. even like a Devonte smith or a jerry judy like a guy who is pretty productive but isn't all like needs more time before he can fully become like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson just put to get together the two best seasons what rookie wide receivers have ever had. Like they are outliers. And with how many more wide receivers are being drafted in the first round, you know, like T Higgins took a big jump this year. He was pretty good his rookie year. And I thought, yeah, he should be better in year number two. And he was awesome. He was a thousand yard receiver. You know, I, I think for the, for most wide receivers getting drafted, it's you're not going to come in and be a pro bowler right off the bat. And so I find it weird that, you know, it's not like there's a second guy there right now. Like Alan Lazard and and the corpse of Randall Cobb are going to be your number one and number two wide receiver next year. Uh, Equinemius uh, St. Brown never turned into what we thought he was going to be. And so he's another one there that like has shown flashes. But it's again, it's like, all right, well, now he's got to make, you know, what's the thing? Something about chicken shit, right? <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't know how they're going to go about doing it. I think it makes them worse as a team. And I get that they use that money that they were going to pay 
Devontae Adams on bringing back Razzle Douglas, who only had one good season in his career. And it was yeah. this year, you know, yeah. and, and I've seen Razzle Douglas play, you know, he's, he's not a terrible corner, but I don't think he was as good as he looked this year. And they were able to spend some of that money on defense, but Zadarius Smith walked. Right. So you're not even bringing back all of your defense. Yeah. It's just perplexing. And I don't understand why Rogers would sign off on it unless he believes that, hey, that money. And then, yeah, you know what? I'm Aaron Rodgers. I can make a rookie wide receiver into Devontae Adams. But even Devontae Adams took a couple of years, yeah. you know, and I just don't see a world where I think they are significantly worse off without Devontae Adams. Oh, as, I agree. For, for as great as Rodgers is, I, I think it's a it's a big steep drop off. I agree. I mean, especially you think of the chemistry, right? I mean, Monte Adams, best, I, I, if I, he's the best wide receiver in the league for sure. But if I'm doing quick math, I'd say he caught nine, 10 balls a game for the at last least, two, three years. At right? least. Yeah. That's huge. That's a, that's a massive share out of your lineup that you're going to have to figure out what to do with. And obviously there's going to be some, and it's the um, safety blanket. It's Rodgers and him have, like you said, yeah. had that Jordy Nelson chemistry that he had with, you know, Jordy and, you know, go back through some of the great players that he's played with and, and Randall Cobb that he's turned into Pro Bowl caliber players. But Devontae was by far the most talented that he ever had that chemistry with. And it took four years. It took four yeah. years to get to that point with him. And I, again, for as, as much as I love Aaron Rodgers, the football player, I have a hard time thinking, oh, yeah, this move makes them better in the long run. I, I think next year, unless they make a trade or something, I, I just – agents. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no good wide receivers left in free agency. I mean, hell, the Eagles had yeah. to result to fucking Zach Paschal today. Like, that's the level I we're see. at now with, with wide receivers left in free agency. There is no Allen Robinson option anymore. And – yeah, they'll probably sign another, like a Will Fuller, maybe. I know he's a free agent. They'll probably sign someone OBJ. like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And then they'll draft somebody, too. But I, I don't know, man. I, I just – I hated this move for the Packers, and I would be like, you know what? We're going all in this year. Because they could have had the same roster they have right now, but just with Devontae Adams instead of whatever rookies they're going to draft. Mm -hmm. And to me, it makes them significantly worse. Um and in those clutch moments in the end of games, like you knew where he was going and it didn't matter because he and Devonta Adams were just that special together. The explosive plays, the run after the catch, the, you know, the short passing game, uh, especially around the goal line. Like it yeah. was just, it was just a natural chemistry. And I think, I think it makes them, makes them worse, which just feels antithetical when you're talking about a team that should be going all in right now. Yeah. Agreed. I, I mean, he, he, <laughs> And he's young too. That's the the worst part, right? So you're going to get four more years of Rodgers, which like how good is that going to be? Obviously, he's done it throughout his entire career, but you just don't know, right? Rodgers had some injury troubles in, in his career uh, where Devontae Adams is a, a young kid compared to that. And you're going to get more out of that, I think. Uh, there's more value in, in signing him long-term than there is Aaron Rodgers right now. Yeah. I, I would think that's that's probably true. Um, so, we'll, I mean, look, we'll see. If there's someone that you don't want to doubt, right, it's it's Aaron Rodgers. I think at this point we, we know Aaron Rodgers uh, pr pretty well, and we know how good he can be. So, uh, you know, we'll see. The other trade that, that this, this carousel just keeps on moving, um, 
Matt Ryan gets traded and dealt to the Indianapolis Colts. And I think long-term, um, I, I would probably rather have Baker just considering the age and the cost, but Baker's also his contract is he's going to be do a contract next year. Uh, whereas at least Matt Ryan, you have him under contract for, I think two years, uh, the cap hits going to be bigger, but you know, I, Indianapolis had $40 million in cap space left. So, you know, it kind of slits slides in perfectly. Um, this to me was expedited. And at least from some of the reports I've seen too, because of the Deshaun Watson situation. Because this, the, the Falcons went all in to try to get Deshaun Watson, um, that kind of broke something, you know, it, it, in the relationship between Matt Ryan and the Falcons, which even though they're not my team or anything, like that makes me sad anytime you see a guy who has been with an organization for a long time. Drafted, yeah. Drafted there. Believed in MVP. him. He wasn't the top guy coming out. He wins an MVP, goes to a Super Bowl and an, and an NFC championship game. And, and, you know, he wasn't the problem in that Super Bowl. He was great in that Super Bowl. And it just seems like slowly the Falcons have kind of deteriorated around him. They have a new regime. And it makes sense. Like, hey, you know what? We want to move on. But I also give the Falcons credit in that, you know, they worked with him to get a team that he's going to be able to go in and immediately compete. And, and we keep talking about how ridiculous the AFC is. But now with the addition of Deshaun Watson and Matt Ryan to the AFC, I mean – there's 10 quarterbacks in that 10 pro bowl quarterbacks in that conference right now. No, Matt Ryan yeah. is Matt Ryan a pro bowl quarterback right now. No, but just going through the list, right. The AFC West, obviously you have Mahomes, Herbert, Derek Carr, and Russell Wilson. Now the AFC uh, North, we now have Matt Ryan and then the rest or sorry, uh, that's AFC, AFC South. We now have Matt Ryan and then, you know, young guys, Tannehill. you got, you got Tannehill, but then it's, you know, Trevor Lawrence, and uh, I guess Davis Mills is going to be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans moving forward. Uh, and that's the weakest one too. Right. But then yeah. go to the AFC North and it's Joe Burrow and it's Deshaun Watson and it's Lamar Jackson and the AFC East it's Mac Jones. And, and obviously Josh, Josh Allen, Allen is the big <laughs> name there. And you have Tua and Zach Wilson and Mac Jones who are all three young quarterbacks who have shown promise throughout certain times there. And obviously the two just coming off the rookie year. So there's, uh, I'll just an insane amount of talent in the AFC. And then the NFC, you go down that list and it's like, all right, well, we have Brady and we have Rogers green Bay is worse without Demonte Adams. So we're talking Rogers. <laughs> we're talking Tom Brady. And then it's who who's, who's the third best Dak, quarterback. Dak, Dak Prescott, I'd say. And right? then it's a steep drop to Kyler Murray and yeah, Dak and uh, Kyler. I think Dak and Kyler are both in that same little tier below that. And then it's, some younger guys, right? But like Jalen Hurts and like Kirk Cousins might be like the fifth and sixth of the best quarterbacks yeah. in the NFC. <laughs> and uh, as as a fan of a team in the Stafford. NFC, right? Yeah. Oh, and sorry, Stafford's number three. Yeah, I knew I was missing somebody. So you have those three at the top. You know, it's just it's a gauntlet to get through the AFC right now. But I'll tell you what, the Colts are going to be really good. Matt Ryan is still a productive quarterback. You know, and, and for that offense, where it's, they're still going to run the ball, they still have an awesome offensive line. The defense has gotten even better. And, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is a really, really good wide receiver. He's a borderline number one wide receiver. He's only been in the league two years, so next year would be a big jump for him. And the thing with Matt Ryan is you're, you're getting just a confidence. Like, you're just getting someone who's yeah. played the position, who knows the game, 
He's going to play for Frank Reich, who's a great coach, works great with quarterbacks. And you don't have to worry about massaging Carson Wentz, right? You don't have to be like, oh, no, Carson, it's, it's, it's okay. Like, you know, like Matt Ryan's not going to throw a bunch of dumb, dumb interceptions. He's going to throw for a ton of yards. He's going to have a good running game for the first time since they were in that Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan and, and they run the ball with Devontae Freeman all over the place. I love this trade for Indianapolis. I, I think it's fantastic. And I'm really excited to be able to root for Indy again because I love Jonathan Taylor and I, and I love Frank Reich and I want that team to be good, but they might not even make the playoffs. That's how loaded. Yeah. Now, granted, luckily for them, their division is going to be a lot more winnable yeah, than any that, of the other that's ones. The, that's the but, thing is, is they, they have a legitimate shot at not only winning that division and the East is solid and, 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 the NFC North is is going to be a slugfest as it always is, but yeah, it's a gauntlet. Uh, to me, I don't know. I initially when I saw it, uh, I, I was like, it's kind of a lateral move. Like their defense is pretty good, not great. Um, an upgraded offensive line, uh, upgraded running back. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I, I'm not thrilled with Michael Pittman Jr. being the number one receiver that Matt Ryan's throwing to. Right, a lot yeah. of their success was was Julio Jones in in the uh, in the Falcons organization, um, and so, but you made a good point that it's going to be smart stuff. You don't have to worry about two phases of of a quarterback's game. He's not going to run the ball. You're going to ask Jonathan Taylor to do all that and get him involved in the passing game as well. So uh, as he as he had been last year, so uh, I think it's slightly better than average. Uh, I don't I don't know if it's a it's a great move, but. Uh, uh, that's interesting on the scale of, of great, but, uh, yeah, I, d- I, I disagree only that I think, I think the Colts team, the roster is significantly better than what Atlanta was. Atlanta was the worst offensive line in the league last year. I mean, they were horrible. Oh yeah. Uh, the yeah. defense was horrible, right? The Colts defense got to remember when they went on that streak, um, and almost came back and stole the division from Tennessee, they were like a top five defense. I mean, Darius Leonard, you know, if it wasn't for how amazing TJ Watt and Aaron Donald were like, he would have been like stealth fifth or sixth for defensive player of the year. Like they have a lot of really good talent there and they have, you know, they don't have their first round pick this year, but again, depth at the wide receiver position in the draft, another loaded class third year in a row. I think they're going to be able to, you know, add a rookie to pair with Michael Pittman. Um, I, I think TY is still there. Uh, but at this point, you know, you're probably going to get like, seven or eight games out of TY. Uh, I, I just really like the roster and it's going to be simplified, but they're going to be able to do more ironically with Matt Ryan than they could with Carson Wentz. Cause they didn't have to worry about rebuilding a broken player. It's mm-hmm. you're taking a, a veteran who has had a, a ton of success in the NFL since the year 2016, Matt Ryan has the most passing yards in the NFL. So his production Great fantasy option. Yeah. And, and do I, again, do I think they're, a top five team in the AFC right now? Probably not, but could they sneak in as a wild card and, and run and play good defense their way to, an, you know, similar to what the, the 49ers did this year and, and make a run? Absolutely. You have a guy who, who's been there. You have a guy who's been all the way to the Super Bowl, and, and yeah, he was a part of the biggest collapse, but again, that collapse wasn't on him. There's only yeah. one crucial mistake he made uh, later on, and even still, I put that more on play calling where they threw the ball you know, late in the fourth quarter when instead of, uh, you know, running out the clock and, and milking the extra 40 seconds or forcing New England to burn their last time out. And it was an incomplete pass to stop the clock. And so but other than that, like Matt Ryan, 
was not a part of that. He feels the pain of it. Mm. But again, he stepped up in the biggest moments. And I think it's a I think it's a really good signing or trade rather for Indianapolis. And and I think it makes them a much better football team than what than they were last year. Um, all right, let's take a break. We're gonna come back and rank the quarterback moves both on the field and then just kind of off the field, the most surprising, most interesting signings uh, and some of the implications that come from that. So we'll be right back here after a quick break. So it is officially, I think, our first ranking of the 2022 calendar year. Oh, we had too much ranking. too much stuff to talk about. <laughs> so uh, like I said, we're doing our, our court-ordered ranking as members of the sports media world. We are legally obligated to do this. So uh, we have 10 quarterbacks. Uh, and quarterback moves, some ranging from the GOAT all the way down to Jameis Winston <laughs> and, uh, and kind of everything in between here. Uh, the 10 quarterback moves that we're talking here, uh, uh, Rodgers coming back to Green Bay, Brady, uh, obviously unre- retiring, unretiring, Russell Wilson to the Broncos, Carson Wentz to the Washington football team, whatevers, um, uh, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins getting another extension. Jameis, uh, Drew Locke, and Mitchell Trubisky going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, we'll start off here. Number one for you on the field. We have on the field, and then we also have our just most interesting and, and kind of storylines that go off that. So number one for you is? Number one on the field, Russell Wilson to Denver. Ooh, I have, I have Russ at number two on my list okay so i bet I our one and two was flipped if Prob- i'm guessing probably um, so why is so russ put, why is russ number one for you i put russ here because of uh a his talent number one b he's he's on a team that has a, a decent offensive line i think and and a really really good young receiving core uh he's not going to be asked to do as much scrambling as he did in Seattle, uh, just based on the way that that offensive line had played for years. And then on top of that, the impact it had on some of the defensive signings uh, that uh, that Denver had made uh, as a result. So I think the team overall got better just with Wilson and then, and then what he added as a, as a recruitment sort of device with it being, Oh, well, Russell Wilson's in Denver. Like yeah. that's where I want to go play. Um, so that's why it's number one for me. So I know they, they obviously got Randy Gregory and there were reports about Bobby Wagner. Are we, do we know for sure about the Bobby Wagner? Not yet confirmed. We do not know. And Von Miller was, uh, was talked about and then he ended up signing in, in, Buffalo, in Buffalo. So, um, but yeah. no, nothing on the on the Bobby Wagner front that yeah. uh, I follow up on that. I I have them at number I have them at number two, obviously. So it's I'm very excited to see what it does on the field, and and I do think impact wise, you think about the upgrade from what they had to what they have now with those young players. Um, the reason I didn't have it all the way up to number one is because I think we're vastly overrating the Broncos roster, and we talked about this when the trade went down. We had Vito on. It's not that they're not going to be better or a 10-11 win team, uh, and obviously it's going to help them compete in the best division in football, we assume at least on paper, and what's going to be the AFC West. Uh, I just I don't think they're ready. Like Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, Tim Patrick, none of them have played in a playoff game, let alone, you know, a, a Super Bowl, right? They're about to. <laughs> you know, and yeah, and they, they probably will. But even the defense, like a huge reason why the defense was so good was they had one of the best defensive – you know, minds and all the NFL 
running their defense in Vic Fangio and Vic Fangio is not there anymore. So I, I think it's completely rational to think there's going to be a bit of a step back there uh, on the defensive side, even though, yeah, they did add Randy Gregory and they hope to be able to add Bobby Wagner or another piece. Um, but nonetheless, it is going to be really interesting. And, and I'm very curious. And I think he makes them as a whole, a much better team. Uh, number one for me was Deshaun Watson. The Browns roster was really good. And they got banged up by injuries, right? When their offensive line is all together, it's the best offensive line in football, uh, their defense is an awesome combination of young, really upstart, you know, good players like, you know, Jeremiah Wusukorma, who was awesome this year when he played. Uh, Grant Delpit, after being a first-round pick in two, uh, for the 2020 season, towards his ACL, missed his whole rookie season. He came in and was great for them. Uh, Greedy Williams, great cornerback. Uh, the secondary is really good. The linebacking core, again, they're young, but they have some veterans. And then you're, you're talking about a one-two punch on the D-line still of Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, which – I know people like to shit on Jadavian Clowney, but his pressure numbers have always been really, really good. He just didn't get a lot of sacks because he was always getting double teamed, right? Uh, and, and so now you, you pair him up with a guy who, like Miles Garrett, arguably is in the conversation for best defensive player in the league with TJ Watt and mm -hmm. Aaron Donald. So uh, I just think now you're going to add a guy whose ceiling at his absolute best is number one, at least top three quarterback in the NFL. And they have Amari Cooper. Nick Chubb is amazing. I don't know what's going to end up happening with Kareem Hunt. I think they might have him for one more year. I don't know. He might be a free agent. I feel like I haven't heard his name, but for whatever reason, I thought he was going to be a free agent this offseason. Uh, they have a lot of talent. We know how much Vito loves Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's been a very solid number two. And they have a couple of decent tight ends there. So uh, I just think what Deshaun Watson, the talent, again, this is just on the field adds to a team that was already built to be able to compete. Um, I think it, it, this, the sky's the limit for them. I think they might be one of the best two or three teams in the AFC. Yeah. That's the piece they need. I'm just worried. And I have them at number three on my list, mm. uh, Deshaun Watson, but uh, I'm just worried of, about the distraction of it all. Uh, if, and when he does get on the field. So uh, of that goes away though with winning. So and we yeah. haven't seen him play in, in you know, yeah. a year and a half. That's the other thing. And and he he doesn't have the game experience that uh, a 27 or 26-year-old should have uh, as, as an NFL quarterback. But uh, also, he hasn't played in two years, so he's healthier than a, an average 26 or 27-year-old yeah. quarterback. So. I mean, Michael Vick came um, back after being in prison and was a top-10 quarterback when he played for the yeah. Eagles, you know, so yeah. you know, if you have the talent and the athletic ability, you know, you can make that transition. Um, relatively easy uh all right number two for you then you had uh deshaun at three so number two for you on the field number two on the field it has to be thomas edward patrick brady jr i have him at three and just honestly there is a lot of work that they have to do uh on both sides of the ball frankly they had they have the most free agents uh in the nfl some of which have left already uh i believe it was 2022 maybe um yeah but they have a lot of work to do. Uh, and I think they are probably going to lose Leonard Fournette, uh, regardless of the fact that Brady is back, uh, which hurts a lot because that was a huge piece in their running game that, that uh, and passing game, frankly, that, uh, that really helped them out. I put Brady at two just because he's the greatest of all time and the things he can do on the field yeah. just elevates your team so much that it's, it's incomparable. And, yeah. and 
Yeah. I, I, for I think that alone, he's at number two. The 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 best example or, or thought process when you're going about it is what were we talking about Atlanta when we thought Tom Brady was retired? And how are or Tampa Bay when we thought Tom Brady was retired? And how are we talking about Atlanta now that he's unretired? Right? Like the the increase in the overall performance of the team and expectations and, and odds and all that shit just goes up entirely. And outside of the one of their offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen, uh, I believe their right guard uh, left. They've been able to keep most of the players that they wanted to. Carlton Davis, really good cornerback for them. He signed an extension. Ryan Jensen, all pro center. He signed a, you know, a new contract. Right. So they're doing a pretty good job. Running backs are relatively replaceable. Right. We've seen Tom Brady win. You know, who's the best running back that Tom Brady ever had on a winning team? I, I say that uh, all the time. James White, I would say. Probably James Wright. I mean, Lawrence Maroney. I mean, the best one was probably Corey Dillon, that, the one year he played in, in oh, yeah. England. He was okay. probably the best. But it, even so, it wasn't like prime Corey Dillon. It was like just about. Garrett to, Blunt. Garrett <laughs> Blunt was awesome for those those couple of runs, right? Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, James White, like this, these are the guys we're talking about here. How I mean, Leonard Fournette might be the best one. Um, but as long as they have depth. And and relatively productive players like you keep Ronald Jones and then hell you know you sign you know, Matt Breda or someone like that someone who can come in and just take the ball carry the ball two or three hundred you know probably about two hundred times in a season in a, in a backfield like that um, and they also throw the ball so much they they supplement so much of their they can supplement so much of their running game through the short passes and through screens because you have Tom Brady and you know Tom Brady isn't missing those little swing routes and those screen passes. He's going to get it the doesn't ball to the need. Yeah, and it doesn't matter even that their their second best receiver is out for the year, probably in Chris Godwin. Yeah, with, and, uh, and we'd maybe. expect to see him at some point because he also yeah. they tagged him initially, but then they got him on a on a long term deal as well. So it was a three year. Yeah. yeah, so you get Mike Evans. You're going to get Chris Godwin back at some point. Um, they brought back Rashad Perriman, who had the walk off touchdown in the overtime game. Uh, for them this year so yeah I Tom Brady just adds so much to your team and in that same vein because we have the same top three number four for me is Aaron Rodgers coming back uh, and and again it's that you're bringing the two top back-to-back MVPs in two consecutive years uh, undeniably I think the best quarterback in football the last two years and that's again comparing him to Brady and to Patrick Mahomes and those guys Rodgers has just been on another level these last two years and his value again will be felt that much more because they don't have Devonte Adams now. Mm-hmm. So Aaron Rodgers being able to, you know, create something out of nothing with not great players, um, it, it, that value becomes th- that much more important. Where it's like, hey, you know what? We're not going to pay Devonte Adams that twenty-five million that was going to be for the franchise tag. We're going to use that money and use it on defensive players and other people to make our team better. But hey, Aaron, we're going to need more out of you. And if you're going to ask that of anybody in the NFL, he's a pretty good guy to ask that of. So I have him at number four. Yeah, yeah, I'd say I just the, the I have him at four too. Get out of my head, uh, <laughs> simply because uh, for for that he he has the talent to elevate your team. Uh, and be a perennial MVP candidate. You lose a lot on offense, but like I said, if they come in the draft and get one of these, one or two of these rookie guys uh, who are are either at the top, uh, a guy like Olave who might slip down that far, um, uh, I, I think would would just do wonders for them. But as for next year's, uh, it's just going to be a, a struggle, I think, 
uh, to to try to come up with points on paper, and then you see Aaron Rodgers, and yeah. you're like, well, and they still have Aaron <laughs> Jones on a, on a deal, and AJ Dillon's obviously been good, so I think they're going to continue to run the ball really well, yeah. uh, and, and you know they'll go from there. And the defense was really good last year. I think it's going to be uh, hopefully even better because they'll hopefully have Jair Alexander for you know the whole season. Aaron they're going to get Bak- they're going to get Bakhtiara back. Um, yeah, I mean, their, their cornerback room is going to be Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes in a second year, who was, again, was really good as a rookie. And then Razzle Douglas is going to be your slot corner. And, and I, I think that's a really nice, you know, secondary. And they also, you know, they have Adrian Amos in the back, you know, back end at the safety position. And, uh, you know, they brought back a lot of their pass rushers and guys who made a big deal for them defensively. So I think they'll be able to score points. Um, I just think it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be Rogers to Devonta Adams and, and they're definitely going to use, a uh, first round pick on a, on a wide receiver. I think, I think that's a given. Um, all right. So then number five, this is where things I think will get a little interesting. Who do you have? Kirk, you like that cousins. Uh, I, 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 again, I think he's one of the, the most mediocre quarterbacks of all time, but he's, he's solid and, and that's just fine. And look, uh, new head coach, new GM, uh, I think they're going to revamp the way that they they draft. I think they're going to go defense heavy uh, and kind of pull themselves out of that mediocrity on offense. You've got Adam Thielen, who's another year older, but is still, I think, a really good, uh, if not elite receiver in his prime. And Justin Jefferson is one of the best receivers in the National Football League. Uh, on top of that, you got Dalvin Cook uh, to, to run the ball out of the backfield. So uh, I like Kirk Cousins there uh, because he's he's got a because of what's around him. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I have Kirk Cousins at number ten. I have it in dead last <laughs> because this is because the thing. It's vanilla <laughs> in sports, the worst thing you can be as a as a franchise type player, if you're ever apathetic towards that person, you know you're not doing something right. The the bottom line is I don't give a shit about Kirk Cousins. I know exactly. Like you said I know exactly what I'm getting. It's going to be the same thing we've seen for years. He got his bag. He got more money. I don't care. I just, I don't care. And you're going to waste another year of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, just like they wasted with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen and Dalvin cooks in there. He still has his off the field stuff that, I mean, has been very Mm -hmm. quiet. So I'd imagine that's going to come up at some point over the summer. Um, Yeah. I, uh, I just have no interest at all. And, and I think thinking about what's going to have the biggest impact on the football field, Kirk Cousins coming back to the Vikings doesn't mean shit. It just just doesn't mean anything. It means they're exactly where they were last year. The roster's not gotten any better. Uh, so I'm out. I'm out on Kirk Cousins. Uh, I had Matt Ryan at number five uh, because, again, like I said at the top, I think the Colts have a really good roster. I think they're going to be built to compete, and I think they're going to be like what the 49ers were and kind of like what they were this past year, which everyone's saying, mm. you don't want to face the Colts in the playoffs. You know, you don't want to you don't want to face the Colts in the playoffs, just like no one to face San Francisco because they can run the ball and they were playing good defense. And the only concern was Carson Wentz. And the second you're replacing Carson Wentz with Matt Ryan, then you're not worried about that fear anymore. You're not worried about the guy fumbling the ball on the goal line or losing a game against the worst team in the NFL to get into the playoffs in week 18. That's not going to happen with Matt Ryan. Uh, And I also don't think they'll be in a position where that needs to matter. And I think it automatically I think right now. I think they were already kind of borderline, almost as good as Tennessee. I think they're now officially better than Tennessee with this move. So I have Matty Ice and uh, the Colts there at number five. Um, Could be for all of that. Is why I have him at six. Uh, and, and I, my only thing is that 
uh, everything I said earlier. I, I don't know that uh, apart from Jonathan Taylor uh, in that offense, I don't know what, you know, Michael Pittman being the, the number one to me is, and he looked great in the back half of last year, but, but I just, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for me to, unless I see it on the field and he's got 800 yards in the first like eight games of the year. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't know like yeah. what that offense looks it's, like. It's a, legitimate, con- Taylor. it's a legitimate concern, but again, like Matt Ryan threw for 4,000 yards last year and yeah. who was his number one wide receiver? Yeah, right. It was a rookie tight end, <laughs> right? And then it was uh, Zacharias. And that was a struggle. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was Zacharias or I just call him Zucchini because that's just when I see his name, it just looks like Zucchini. Uh, I mean, Russell Gage. I mean, Calvin Ridley missed the majority yeah. of the season, right? So who is Matt Ryan throwing to? And yet he still almost got to 4,000 yards. The yeah. wide receiver group in Indianapolis is an upgrade considering what he just had to throw to last year. Um, all right. Number six for me. And this one's, I think going to be a bit of a head scratcher for you. I have Mitchell Trubisky. Hmm. Uh, I am, I am on the Mitch Trubisky bandwagon right now. If I have, I have a small piece of property on Trubisky Island. I own just a small little, mm-hmm. little beach shack right there on Trubisky Island. Uh, I think a we so does sh- Matt Nagy. <laughs> we shit on him a lot because of what happened in Chicago. And a lot of that's on Matt Nagy. A lot of that is the dysfunction of that organization. And the fact that we're comparing him to Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, because those two got drafted after him. And he was the number two overall pick when these two other generational type quarterbacks were later on in the draft that they could have gotten right it's the classic chicago you know uh self-fulfilling prophecy right that chicago can never have a good quarterback and look we only saw him sparringly we saw him in preseason and i know i'm the number one preacher of this don't read too much into preseason stuff but i think a year working with brian dable uh working underneath josh allen it's a hard reset he got a taste of some success I think it was really good for him. I think it was it was so bad in Chicago, and he took so much shit that just to have a year away from the spotlight, I think is really beneficial. And I think whoever the Steelers, whatever they do in the draft, I think they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round, right? So if it ends up being Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett or one of these guys, right, I don't think they're going to be able to start right away. And I think Trubisky, still a really good athlete, still has a huge arm. And remember, he made the playoffs twice with the Bears. He made the playoffs twice. That's really hard to do, you know, in that for Harder than double doinking. <laughs> considering everything. Yeah, they almost won two playoff games, right? Um, considering everything we know about Chicago and, and the dumpster fire that that was in hindsight, I think that actually kind of elevates Mitch Trubisky's stock a little bit. So I'm excited to see what he does in, in Pittsburgh. I'm excited to see him get an opportunity. I really am. I'm not. I have him at 10. Oh, wow. Like, absolutely. Uh, look, the athletic stuff, I get it, all of that is is money he still has a, a a strong arm but it's it's an offense that doesn't get aggressive matt canada is has proven himself to be like one of the the least adept offensive coordinators in the national football league and since entering the league trubisky is 42nd in yards per drop back he's 43rd in in off target percentage throws he's 33rd in passer rating and like I get that in Chicago, his only good receiver was Allen Robinson, who didn't drop anything. Uh, but the Steelers' highest catch rate was Pat Frymuth at seventy six percent, right? But so much of that was Big Ben 
And it's and that's fine. But you, if you want to talk to receivers, then Deontay Johnson's was sixty three. That was top five in the league. I'll give you that on one hundred and sixty nine targets. But Claypool was fifty six percent at one hundred five, and then third place. Uh, was Ray Ray McLeod, who's now gone. And fourth on that list for the Steelers was Juju Smith-Schuster, who's now gone. And both of them were under 30%. So, Well, Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson were both like number one, number two in drops last year. So the fact that their, you know, their catch percent, all that stuff was even as good as it was considering the drops that they had is actually, uh, I don't know if that's a testament to Big Ben or maybe last year wasn't as bad on Big Ben. Um, but, I mean, between Najee Harris in the backfield, they're going to be better on the offensive line. Pat Fryermuth was great year one. I think it's going to be better in year two. And you still have two legit, proven NFL wide receivers in Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool who can make big plays. Uh, I agree Matt Canada is a terrible offensive coordinator. But the one nice thing about it is they're not going to ask him to do a ton because of how much they're going to run Najee Harris. And then they're going to be able to let Russ do – or let Russ, let Mitch do some of that you know, thrown on the run a little bit, you know, some of that it's stuff, a lot which, of option stuff. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And they'll get him to use his legs, but I get, I also get like, that's why I said I have a small property, very, very small property yeah. on uh, I have a bench. It's on like the, side the, of the, it's road, like the Baltic basically. Avenue of, uh, of monopoly. You don't yeah. want to like you land on it and you're like, eh, shit, fine. I All guess. Right, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm, I'm cautiously, optimistic. <laughs> cautiously optimistic. Uh, number seven, I have Carson Wentz. Um, okay. And ever the apologist, <laughs> you know, Hey, I have him seventh on this list. It's not like I have him third, right? Uh, Carson Wentz. The reason I'm intrigued is because this is his final shot, right? If he doesn't get his shit together now, he never will. And Ron Rivera, I think is going to be that hard nosed voice in his head that says, this is it motherfucker. You don't get another chance. So either show up, get your shit together, and let's rock. Because the talent is still there. We still saw some incredible plays last year in Indy. They just happened a lot less rare. Even in the last couple of years in Philly, we still saw amazing flashes of that guy we saw in 2017. But the inconsistency wasn't there. And last year, to his credit, he did not throw many interceptions. He only threw one road or two road interceptions, and they both came in week 18 against Jacksonville. Up until then, he had zero turnover or interceptions on the road like all that stuff is is signs of improvement and now the hope is all right you got your head right it wasn't a good fit in indy it wasn't a good fit at the end in philly this is your chance and you get two games to go up and, and compete against your old team like if that kind of stuff doesn't fire him up to be to be good i don't know what it will but chances are he i think he's either going to be really good or he's going to be even worse than he was in indy i lean towards the latter but I'm at least intrigued to see how it looks on the field in Washington. Yeah. And so I have him at, uh, I have him at eight. You have him at seven. Yeah. Um, I have him at eight for, for a lot of those reasons. And the talent that you get out of, out of your receivers is um, potentially better than uh, he's, he's ever had uh, in a receiving core. And, and I think uh, a, a lot of that stuff uh, about the, the motivation is very true. I don't know about you, but I have not talked to one Commanders fan that likes this move. No, they've already counted themselves out of of this, and and it's kind of a and maybe it's an NFC East thing. I don't know. You tell me. But it was kind of a similar vibe when the Eagles drafted him, even, and it was like, ah, okay, uh, and 
he had to earn the respect of Eagles fans uh, in that that year that he was, uh, uh, well, about to win the MVP probably. Yeah. Uh, and so I think there's a lot of that here in Washington and, and between that and, and everything that's going on in that organization and, and the group that he has around him on, on offense and certainly on defense, who's, who's underperformed uh, last year. But, yeah. um, but I think that that ought to motivate you to, uh, to get in there and start playing some good football. That's why I have not hate. Uh, yeah. I hit it right on the head. Uh, we have two quarterbacks left. Uh, I have number eight. I have Jameis Winston and the number nine, I have Drew Locke. So who did you have at seven? So at seven, I had Jameis yeah, uh, for a lot seven. of the reasons, for a lot of the reasons we just talked about Carson Wentz, it's going to be like shit or get off the pot time because this is your team. Uh, and that's very clear. Now uh, there's no Sean Payton. Uh, it's, it's going to be the Jameis show and potentially no Alvin Kamara. So it's and what receiving core are we talking about still with them? None, yeah. right? None that we're yeah. aware of. So, Let's let's it's your time, Jameis. If are you the the guy that was picked super high and threw for five thousand yards? Uh, can you do it again? Because you're gonna have every opportunity to do that. Yeah, I, I have him ahead of Drew Locke as well, solely because you know there were flashes last year and there were moments where you're like, Oh, it's the same old Jameis. And it's like, oh, actually, you know what? He was a little better protecting the football. And then they were actually starting to win some games and they were kind of a, a threat there to obviously make the playoffs even at the end of it. Um, yeah, I, I think we've seen the last of the Taysom Hill, exp- you know, experiment. I think he's solely going to be a gadget guy from here on out. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think, yeah, you're going to trust Jameis and we'll see if he can ever make that jump back. And then the last one's Drew Locke. I just, for me, I have him at nine. I, you have him also at nine. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think both of us can probably agree that like, we're not super excited to really watch him on the field, but I have no. ahead of Kirk Cousins only because I am curious. I've always liked Drew Locke. Right. As, as a guy, as a personality, and there's always been little flashes. And I don't want to see him go to a new place and see, okay, you know what? You got Tyler Lockett, you got DK Metcalf, you got some shiny toys and you're going to get a chance. And, and, you know, if he comes in and balls out next year, they're not looking for a new quarterback. They found their guy, right? It's a, it's a buy low, sell high kind of, kind of situation um, for, for Drew, uh, for Seattle with Drew Locke, right? If he's great, awesome. Big win, right? Low risk, high reward rather. Not, not what I said. Uh, and, and I think it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, maybe maybe he does have his best year yet. I don't think it will. And that's why I have him at nine. But, you know, it's at least somewhat interesting. Yeah. Uh, war number three in Denver. Can't do that in Seattle. Uh, too close to home uh, with Russ leaving. So he's wearing number two. Uh, but, Russ, but, but Russ gets number three in Denver. Russ, gets no, Russ earned it. Uh, but so I, I think this is a year and you're right about the the toys like he's got dk metcalf to throw the ball to and he's got a huge arm by the way uh he's got dk to throw the ball to and and tyler lockett as well so the receiving core is fine i'm worried about the offensive line protection because he's no good when that breaks down yeah um and 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 the other thing too is i think you're going to see i think this is a year for the seahawks to finally see that it was never the quarterback that was the problem it was the coach who the head coach who's yeah. old and stodgy and curmudgeon-y and it's like, we're going to throw the ball a lot. Pete Carroll's not curmudgeon just, just kidding. We're going to run the ball because that's how NFL football is played. Pete uh, Carroll is not curmudgeon I got to push back <laughs> on that. He's like the most fun-loving, like, I was just going to say, one of the other reason I'm excited about this is like, I think Drew Locke is like a Pete Carroll guy. 
you know, like that video of Drew Locke, like rapping on the sidelines, right? Like it reminds me of like, couldn't Drew, wouldn't Drew Locke have fit in perfectly as like a USC quarterback when he was there? You know, when when Pete Carroll was at USC, like it just would have been like, it's just the energy I think is similar. And I think that makes it fun. Um, All right, let's go through this other list. We'll go through a little bit quicker since we talked a bunch about it already. Uh, Most interesting, and this can go off the field, what it means for the teams that they're on. There's a bunch of different ways and we left it open-ended intentionally on this. So number one, who do you have? Sean Watson. I mean, it's the big, the big headline, right? Um, Yeah. And it's, it's the news of the day. And I think it's what's going on off the field. That's going to make, what potentially could happen on the field so much more interesting. Yeah. I also have Deshaun same reasons, right? All the off the field stuff, what ends up happening uh, with the civil cases uh, Do does he get suspended? The implications for Baker, right? Because Baker, I don't think will ever play another snap for the Browns. I think he will hold out before he plays again. He's completely cut off communication with the team, but the team also wants to make sure they have a quarterback there you know, to start the season, if Deshaun Watson ends up getting suspended, they did sign a backup. I forget who it was. Um, might've been Case Keenum or who they might've brought, I think they might've brought Case Keenum back again. Brissett, wasn't um, it? Oh yeah, that's who it was. It was Jacoby Brissett. Thank you. Um, so, you know, they have at least somebody in there. Uh, so, you know, if Deshaun's not playing, then maybe Brissett starts week one, but um, for, for, for Baker, you know, that, that leads, that gets into the whole conversation as well. Uh, it's, I think by far the most interesting uh you know, situation here with these quarterbacks moving. Uh, number two, I have Carson Wentz. Um, and there's a bunch of reasons for it. Uh, I, I think Wentz's contract and the way it's been moved and and kind of the precedent that's been set over the last two years, the conditional first rounder, uh, as well as a third rounder last year in the trade from Philly to Indianapolis. And then this year, it was still another pair of third rounders. Uh, and I think it, that kind of sets a market for what we're talking about for these middle tier quarterbacks. Um, but then you you factor in that, yeah, I mean, the dude's got a $28 million contract, right? Like the dude's making a lot of money this year. And for some of the other stuff I've mentioned, we're talking about on the field, right? This is his last chance. And for a guy who I watched to be as great as he was, it's, it's surprising um, to me to see his story arc of his career. And I think we will look back on it if it flames out in Washington and maybe he's out of the league in two years. You know, it'll be a really fascinating case study thinking about number two overall draft pick. Eagles traded up to get him. Then he they win a Super Bowl, but not with him. Then he becomes a total kind of head case with a lot of this stuff. And he became even more stubborn and kind of forced his way out. And then his his old, you know, family teammate, Frank Reich, favorite guy. Everyone's like, oh, Frank Reich's going to be a resurrect him. Well, he only lasts a year there. And then now he goes back. He goes to Washington a dumpster fire of a franchise, but with a really good head coach. I'm so just fascinated because if it's a turnaround then he's awesome again, it's one of the greatest turnarounds we've ever seen. But if it's bad, then it's also one of the most uniquely special story arcs and career arcs that we've seen in the NFL. So off just uh, everything that goes into it. I have him at number two on my list. I do too. Nine and eight though. Uh, I don't think it's going to be very good. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I have went to two for, for the same reason. I mean, the wow. story is just insane and it's what terrifies me about Trey Lance. So please don't, don't have the same uh, trajectory, but yeah, it's, it's the story for me. If, like you said, if they're, if they're good and, or even get to the playoffs, um, I, I think then we're having the conversation about like, what a great turnaround, uh, the Renaissance man, uh, all, all that stuff. Uh, and if it's bad, it's like, ugh. yeah. Yeah. It's, what a terrible experience. Um, all yeah. right. So who do you have at number three? 
Number three, Aaron Rodgers. That's uh, what for, I have. For holding the Packers hostage and not knowing what they're going to be doing with him, not him not knowing what the what the Packers want out of him. So it's like uh, that the whole offseason thing for the last two years. Uh, and, and then to arrive at a place where he gets uh, uh, an insane contract uh, and they let their young uh, superstar wide receiver go because of it. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Devontae Adams is what took this from maybe like middle of the pack to like really interesting. Yeah. Because it completely yeah. changes the, the whole idea of like, oh my God, they're bringing him back. He's going to stay. Plus all of the drama and everything we dealt with last year with him. And then all season, oh, this is going to be the last one. Remember Devontae Adams even posted uh, a uh, on his Instagram story when the Rogers news came out and it was a picture of Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan from the last dance. And it was just like the last dance or last yeah. ride, whatever they called it. Um, you know, and, and now it's like, oh, he's coming back. But wait, no, this actually was the last dance with him and Devontae Adams. You know, Devontae Adams is a Raider. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's fascinating. And obviously the dude's back-to-back MVPs. So we know how good he is, right? We know the level he can play at, but can he elevate everybody around him to the level where they should be competing for a Super Bowl? Um, and maybe with how much easier the path in the NFC is, it won't matter as much. Uh, but, yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth uh, talking about there. Um, number four, I once again have my man Mitch Trubisky. Um, I you think, are high on this guy. <laughs> I, again, I have a small piece of property on Trubisky Island. And, and um, I, if, if it works out, I look like a fucking genius. If not, then, you know, I'm an idiot. But that's also the nature of what this industry is. I, the reason I have him at number four is because there, there's a bunch of different ways it can go similar with Wentz. It's less high stakes because of the contract, but I do think in turn, like it could make the Steelers somewhat competitive. I, that division is going to be impossible and that conference is impossible. And we know all this, but a resurrection story from a guy like Mitch Trubisky um, and also the way I think it, it could change the way we look at quarterbacks, right? Like, we're so quick to write guys off because of the situation. We blame the player. We blame Chicago. You know, uh, it, we should be blaming Matt Nagy more. We should be blaming uh, the Chicago Bears more for what happened with Mitch Trubisky and, and less on Mitch. Not to say that Mitch, Mitch was amazing and they screwed him up. I, I don't think that's the case. Um, but I think also if he comes in and is good, again, the Steelers are another roster. They have defensive player of the year, TJ Watt, right? They have all of these guys. They have all this skill. And, and talent on this roster. And they just need somebody who's better than big Ben, you know, like I said, like the corpse of big Ben out there. Um, so this move, I'm just, I'm really intrigued by what it means for Pittsburgh, but also if they end up drafting a quarterback, what does that mean? Right. And if Mitch Trubisky plays well, is that going to affect what they want to do in the draft? If they draft Malik Willis, but Mitch Trubisky plays well, then what do they do? Right. Do they end up trading Mitch? again at that buy low sell high kind of thing or do they end up you know just throwing Malik Willis in there you know there's a bunch of different things that can happen it's it reminds me a little bit of like what San Francisco is going through right where the team's good and you have a quarterback in Jimmy G who maybe you don't love but he got you all the way to the NFC championship game and he's gotten you to a Super Bowl but you have this young talented quarterback that you've invested in and out of all the quarterback moves we thought we were going to see this offseason the one guaranteed one we thought for sure was Jimmy G getting traded. And that hasn't happened yet. Uh, and I don't know if that says something about Trey Lance or what, but the value of that middle tier quarterback, I think is starting like the middle class of quarterbacks is starting to get more recognition. Uh, and whether that leads to a championship or not, I don't know, but you look at like Carson Wentz, 
uh, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, these guys who are getting those middle tier contracts, um, but are still able to go out and, and, and get their team close to the, you know, to the line. So we'll see. Um, number four for you. Uh, I had Tom Brady at four. I have him uh, at five. Si- yeah. Simply because of the retirement story, right? If he comes yeah. back and wins another Super Bowl, like uh, oh, he's, he's the imagine? hero's hero. And, and if he comes back and they have a poor year for whatever reason, a lot of the free agents going or, or whatever it is, uh, if Tom Brady's starting to deteriorate, I don't even want to put that in the universe because I'll be loud wrong for years. Uh, but if if it doesn't happen uh, and and they don't go far, it's the the story just gets saturated. Yeah, and and, and I would hate for that to happen. Uh, I wish when, when he actually does retire. I wish I'd put uh, Brady at three or four because you're right. It it, it deserves more. And also, like, what if this is the cliff year? Like, what if this is the year that Max Kellerman's been talking about where it all just falls off the cliff, right? You know, if that happens, oh, my God, you know, the the reaction to it. If he gets hurt, again, God forbid that he, he gets hurt in this last year, he comes back, you couldn't, you know, all there's so many different things, plus the fact that he's already retired once and now unretired, and he's already changed teams once, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I think for sure – Tom Brady probably should have been number three on this list. Uh, definitely should have been ahead of Trubisky. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so I had Brady at five. Uh, who did you have at five? Five. I had Wilson uh, just because of, of the draw to the team. I think he makes them instantly like a plus three on, in the win column. Uh, but more intriguing is what it did for that division. Uh, and, and what's uh, San Diego, uh, what the chargers went out and did uh, on defense. Uh, what what the Chiefs have done in free agency, what the Raiders did in free agency, getting uh, getting the best receiver in the National Football League and and Devontae Adams. So I think Russell Wilson, that division was already tough with with Mahomes and Herbert alone. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking about potentially three playoff teams last year in our preview. Uh, now they've got four pretty good teams, two yeah. of them really good and, and four pretty good teams uh, in that division uh, because uh, of the domino effect of Russell Wilson signing. So, yeah, no. And, uh, I, uh, I have Russ at six. So other than the Trubisky thing, we've been kind of lockstep here. The, the only reason I had him a little lower on the list is just, it, it makes sense, right? Like it's, it, it, he spent so long, 10 years basically in Seattle and he wants to have a second half of his career and he wants to go somewhere else. We've seen quarterbacks do this in the past. We've seen athletes do this in the past, but Russell Wilson himself is the most, not interesting, interesting person ever, right? Like, it's just, it's like, and it's Russell. Like, I know what I'm getting with Russell Wilson. I, I know what he's going to say in the media. I know we're going to see the pictures of him and Sierra at charity events and doing all this shit. Like, I, you know what you're getting with Russ. And so I, that's why it's like, yeah, he just made a move midseason. It's interesting, but I don't think it's the most interesting, right? That's why I had him uh, at six. So then who do you have next on your list? Next, I have Matt Ryan uh, because of the way that the, the, the Falcons uh, traded him, I think, reactionarily. Uh, and, like, for them to to take the guy that they drafted, uh, he's a guy who took them to the Super Bowl uh, and an NFC uh, an NFC championship game. Aside from that, uh, yeah. lost to the Niners in that one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in any case, uh, he's, he's a really good, still talented, solid quarterback, a veteran move. I think it's a stopgap for a guy who – uh, and you could have Ryan in your in your organization for the next two, three, four potentially years, bringing a young guy 
uh, and, and have him learn under Matt Ryan for a few years. It's a yeah. solid move. So yeah. I, I, I have, I've met Ryan at eight. Um, probably could have been a little higher on my list, you know, looking through it. Um, I think it's more of just like I was, and I even floated this out last year when we were talking about quarterbacks potentially being moved that I felt like Matt Ryan was, was going to be traded within the next year or so. It just didn't make sense him, you know, staying during a rebuild in Atlanta. And I figured Atlanta would want to give him an opportunity to go compete somewhere else. And that's what happened. So I guess the whole thing wasn't that surprising to me. Yeah. And I'd be curious to go back and find that pod because I'm pretty sure one of the teams I threw out was Indianapolis. Um, so I'm just kind of like, meh, you know, it, it's a good move. It's something I was expecting to happen at some point. Um, I had uh, I had Russ at six, but then I had Kirk Cousins at seven. And for the reason I have Cousins at seven is the contract. Um, and yeah, that's a part that's... of the, the Deshaun thing, right? Like we finally, and we were just saying this the other day about how I was surprised that the precedent of Kirk Cousins getting the fully guaranteed money hadn't set, you know, uh, more often. Now the guaranteed money went up after he did that, but it wasn't fully guaranteed. And now we just saw Deshaun Watson get a $230 million contract that is fully guaranteed. And that is the precedent that Kirk Cousins set when he went to Minnesota in the first place. Why he fought for that was for quarterbacks to get an opportunity to get fully guaranteed contracts. It's a shame that the first one that happened was Deshaun Watson, but Nonetheless, the precedent's been set and now it's been repeated, which means it's going to continue to be a trend. Um, after yeah. that, uh, like I said, I have Matt Ryan at eight. So who did you have there um, at, at number eight or next on your list? So I had uh, at seven, I had Jameis Winston. Jameis at seven. Uh, yeah, simply because I don't know what that, that team's going to look like at all, but that defense is a really good defense. So, uh, you know, <laughs> For, for him to be put on that team uh, and for the story in New Orleans to be, can you do it? Okay. Can you do it without Sean Payton is, is intriguing to me. Yeah. Um, so, and then I had, I had Kirk at eight for exactly that, for that, for eight, that, yeah. um, for the contract thing. Like, I, I had Jameis at 10. Uh, not a huge, I just, I'm kind of indifferent about it. Like I just, I think it's going to feel the same as it did last year. It's just different head coach, you know? Um, but you're right. I mean, the bag that Kirk Cousins got, man, I mean, over $300 million. Just fleece the system, man. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> Unbe and for a guy who, you know, people felt bad for when he was in Washington because he just kept in franchise tag, you know, he turned that, you know, because, again, when you're getting that money, you're getting a good chunk of money every time that happens. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're getting paid like a top five player at the position, and he was franchise tag for three years. So it's like getting a three-year contract paid as a top five quarterback. And that number goes up each year too. Every year you get franchise yeah. tag and then to go out and get the fully guaranteed money and to now have two extensions given to that contract initially that he had in Minnesota is, is a fleece. Uh, and I guess that means, uh, so number eight, like I said, I had Matt Ryan, number nine, I had Drew Locke and uh, I'd, uh, I'd Trubisky at nine Trubisky uh, at nine, just because I think that whole thing is going to be an absolute as for as talented as I think he is, the situation makes zero sense to me. Yeah. Uh, to, to throw him into that fire and then drew lock at 10. Yeah. I I'm just not super excited. I mean, to me, I, the only thing with drew lock and the reason I had him slightly ahead of new Orleans is I think new Orleans is probably, I mean, he's, they signed a two year contract with Jameis. Um, but I think Jameis gives you more of an upside than drew lock does. I do too. So and that's a more winnable or competable division. Yeah. Uh, Drew Locke in the NFC West, that, that does not excite me. Yeah. That's like, that's a clear, like, obviously fourth 
in the division right now. Yeah. And so for me, the reason I only had him ahead of Jameis was simply because I'm curious as to what the next answer is going to be, you know, who's yeah. going to be the next guy. So uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, we have to run. Uh, I promise Friday's pod, we will get into all the March madness stuff. Uh, but before we go to, to at least pay off some of the teas I set up at the top of the pod, uh, what was the most memorable moment from this weekend in the March Madness tournament for you? Uh, uh, the window opening for St. Peter's uh, and, and the way that the, the hard scrabble kids from the, uh, the other side of the river in, uh, in New Jer- of New York in New Jersey uh, have come. Uh, and <laughs> I saw a funny tweet. It was like, you know that there's, there, we had to see this coming because when there's a Doug on that team, like the, the kid who shoots the, the lights out of the ball. Yeah. Uh, that kid's probably really good at basketball. When you look at the rest of the team, it's like, yeah, this kid's pretty good. And so is that team and they play tough and, uh, and uh, good for them. St. Peter's making a run. Yeah. I mean, as uh, that is absolutely, I think the best part of this, the weekend was back-to-back years, having a 15 seed, make it to the sweet 16. Um, it's unbelievable. That school is so random. And to think we, you know, I incorrectly called it, Three different things. I, I called it. Was it Saint? I called it South Pacific. Yeah, we owe, we owe a, an apology from yeah. the podcast to them. It was first Seattle Pacific. Seattle uh, Pacific. Then then and I, then I said Saint Peter's or Saint Petersburg. Saint Paul's. Or no, Saint Paul. That's what I said Saint Paul's. <laughs> and then yeah, so it took three times, but we we did get the name right, and uh, and that run's been amazing. For me, the highlight of the weekend is the fact that I am in the ninety nine point seventh percentile from the bracket that I picked on this pod. If you don't believe me, you can go and listen to it. I have 12 of the 16 teams correct in the Sweet 16. I called the shit out of Iowa State, and I called the shit out of North Carolina, upsetting Baylor. Uh, So that was an awesome little thing for me, Uh, especially after Kentucky lost in round one. I'm like, well, one of my Final Four teams is out. I'm fucked. No, actually, I'm like one of the top 10,000 brackets in the country. So suck on that. And it was recorded on this podcast, so we have it. Uh, forever and no money on it <laughs> and, and no money yeah no money on, on on that one i made two brackets and the one that i'm in the five dollar buy-in i, I used the different bracket for so that's that's killing me a little bit but uh my arizona team is still alive and like i said 99.7 percentile i got all the way up to 100 percentile last year uh after baylor won the national championship because i had them so if arizona wins i could, your, your boy could be like a top 100 bracket right now so Things are things are, are are looking up here, and uh, and I'm easily winning the read option uh, bracket challenge this year. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that is all we got for today. Have a wonderful week. Like I said, Friday show we're gonna go all in depth on March Madness, more stuff from the weekend. Um, I just really want to focus on some of the NFL stuff because I just like we had so much we had to catch up on. So enjoy the week, enjoy the games coming back on Thursday, and we will talk to you guys on Friday. And as always, take it easy, everybody.